Our dear God, thank you that you have not left us in the darkness, but you speak to us through your word. Lord, now as we read your word, please give us uh, great concentration and understanding what it says so that we might be people who live with hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, recently I learnt the secret to happiness, Uh, the secret to being satisfied and content, to living a fulfilled life. Uh, Now, I learnt uh, the secret while I was driving in my car and I was listening to a TED Talk. And, you know, TED Talks, the people always seem so intelligent. They're always right. Uh, So do you want to know what it is? Well, here is the secret to happiness. Lower your expectations. That's right. If you never want to be disappointed, if you never want that feeling of missing out, if you never want that feeling that someone or something didn't live up to what you had hoped, uh, then just lower your expectations. Now, the reason is it's, it's, it's really nice to be pleasantly surprised, uh, but it totally sucks to be disappointed, doesn't it? Uh, and we all know that great expectations, well, they can lead to great disappointments, Uh, They lead to great disappointments. Uh, You know that holiday that you've been looking forward to and planning that's not going to happen anymore? You know that new job you're about to start but isn't going to materialize? You know that dream that you had of maybe giving homeschooling a go and now confronted with the reality of your children 24-7? You see, the higher the expectation, the deeper the disappointment. So heightened expectations, they're a risky business. They're a risky game to play. But if you're with us last week, it seems that God is willing to take the risk. Uh, Last week, we saw that we could have great expectations. We could have high hopes because of who God is, uh, that God is good, that he is powerful. And we can have high hopes because of what God has promised. He has promised a new creation, a new heavens and a new earth. And as we turn from the Old Testament now to this week, to the New Testament, to the book of Hebrews, uh, what we're going to see is that promise after promise that the new creation, that when it finally gets here, uh, there is no way that we're going to be disappointed. Our expectations of this new creation, the New Testament tells us, they can't be too high. It'll be that good. Uh, In fact, the New Testament goes so far as to say that for God's people living on this side of the cross, uh, our hope can be even greater than what we read last week in Isaiah 65. And Isaiah 65 last week, it sounded like perfection. But how could you get an improvement on that? In what sense could we have an even better hope? Well, the New Testament insists that we can. Uh, This side of the cross, we can have even greater expectations. And you'll never guess why. It's all got to do with Jesus, doesn't it? It's all got to do with Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us. So uh, come with me to our Bible reading and we'll be focusing on verses 18 and 19 in particular. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 17, chapter, chapter 7, verse 18. The former regulation is set aside because it is weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope, and that's the key phrase this morning, a better hope is introduced by which we can draw near to God. Uh, now this verse, it appears in the middle of a quite a long and a complicated discussion about how Jesus... Uh, is, is greater, he brings a greater connection, a revolutionary connection between God and us, a connection between God and us that is far superior than anything that existed in the Old Testament. Uh, and here in verses 18 and 19, the writer concludes that this connection, it leads to a better hope, a better hope by which we can draw near to God. So in what sense is this hope better? 
Well, let's see by looking at these two verses in two parts. So firstly, Hebrews, it talks about the former regulations that have been done away with. So what are the former regulations? And secondly, it talks about uh, how does this... Uh, How does this contribute to a better hope? Uh, So verse 18, the former regulations, what's that? I will simply put, it's a reference to the Old Testament setup where there was the descendants of Levi who served as priests in God's temple. Now, I'm sure that many of you are aware the priests, they were a really big deal for Israel. Uh, They were the middlemen, the go-between, the one who worked things out between God and Joe Average Israelite. Uh, and the reason that they were there, the reason they needed these middlemen was because God is perfect. God is holy and pure. And, and a holy and pure God cannot be in contact with sin. He, he hates sin, uh, which is a real problem for people like you and me and Israelites. We're all sinful. Uh, so if God is going to have a relationship with sinful people like you and me, uh, Israel needed a, a go-between, someone who could mediate between them and God. And this is where the priests came in. Uh, See, the priests, they were go-betweens who stood before sinful Israel and a holy God. And and how it worked was that the priests would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. Uh, The sacrifices were made in obedience to the law that God had given his people. And they were made as a way to turn away God's justifiable anger about sin. Uh, Sacrifices were made by the priests to atone for the people. And now this is relevant because in today's passage, that's the former regulations referred to there in verse 18. Uh, it's the regulation that these priests of Israel had to be descendants of Levi. They had to come from the right family pedigree. Uh, but Hebrews wants to make the point that now that Jesus has come along, Jesus is a priest. And so the regulations that have been, those regulations have been set aside because Jesus has come as an even better priest. And if we look back just a little bit to verses 15 and 16, uh, it'll explain a little bit for us here. Uh, Verse 15. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, like the Levitical priests, but on the basis of a power of an indestructible life. Do you see verse 16? Do you see the point that's being made? Jesus is not a priest on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry. In other words, he's not a priest because he was born into the right family. Uh, He is a priest on the basis of having the right sort of life, an indestructible life. Now, what's the deal here with an indestructible life? Well, it means that Jesus can be a permanent priest. You see, unlike the priests of old, Uh, they died out and needed to be replaced by one of their descendants. But here now is is someone who can be a single, everlasting mediator between us and God. Uh, And verse 23 fleshes it out a bit more for us. Now, there have been many of those priests, that is the Old Testament ones, since death prevented them continuing office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely Those who come to God through him, because he always lives, that's the indestructible life again, to intercede for them. Now you're following here. I I know it's a bit of work, but but trust me, it's worth it. So stay with me, because there are huge dividends that that, that are being paid at the end of this. You see, Hebrews is saying that the arrangement with the priests in the Old Testament, with the former regulations, where you had this endless stream of descendants of Levi to serve as your priest, and each one died and they had to be replaced by a new bloke, 
Well, it's saying that Jesus, he is a huge improvement on that regulation because he is a priest that lives forever. Uh, And that makes him the only mediator you'll ever need. A complete mediator between you and God. Uh, See, unlike my phones, which kind of seem to have a a shorter lifespan each time I get a new one, uh, Jesus will never need replacing. Uh, He'll never need upgrading. Uh, It says here that he has an indestructible life. Uh, and later on, Hebrews will go on to say that Jesus is not only uh, uh, not uh, not the only he's not only the only priest you'll need, but he's the only sacrifice that you'll need as well. Uh, we see that there in verse six, uh, verse twenty six. Uh, verse twenty six. Uh, Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people. Uh, he sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. Now, I really want you to see how big a deal this is about Jesus being a priest. It's got an even bigger here. Not only does Jesus have an indestructible life that kind of qualifies him to be an everlasting priest, in addition to that, the sacrifice offered on behalf of the people, well, it says it's an everlasting sacrifice. A sacrifice for sin, we're told, once and for all, because the sacrifice he offered, it was himself. And now, of course, this is a reference to the cross. When, when on the cross, Jesus was crucified, he died in our place. Uh, he took on himself our punishment, our sin. Uh, and when he did that, he became our sacrifice, my sacrifice, your sacrifice. And according to Hebrews, he became the ultimate sacrifice because of his perfect life. His sacrifice is able to completely remove your sin. Now, can you believe that? No matter what you have done, no matter how many times you have done it, when you belong to Jesus, your connection with God, it is completely restored, never to be interrupted or corrupted, because an everlasting sacrifice has been made by an everlasting priest. Now, this is, this is radical. Uh, this is such good news. This is so revolutionary that sometimes I wonder why a lot of churches still haven't woken up to this reality that God is talking about here. Because you can walk into some church buildings, uh, back when you used, that was a thing you used to be able to do, uh, you can walk in there and discover that there are people uh, wearing funny clothes, walking around, called priests. And sometimes uh, there, there, there's a part of that building that you're not supposed to go into because somehow God lives at that end of the building, kind of like in the temple. Uh, and even uh, the official line of some churches is that uh, the communion, the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper, it actually, it's actually some sort of re-sacrifice of Jesus. Uh, but according to Hebrews, it's all Old Testament and it's all gone But there is also the other end of the Christian spectrum where there are other churches that are offering us an experience of the presence of God during their meetings, during their worship sessions. Uh, They pray kind of for God's spirit to come in through the worship and and through the worship leaders who who become a new priesthood. They're the ones who, who are able to usher us into the presence of God. But according to Hebrews, we have no need. We already have a perfect high priest, perfect access to God through Jesus. 
The ultimate connection exists between us and God, for an everlasting priest has made an everlasting sacrifice, and that priest's name is Jesus. And so that means that any other priest or any other sacrifice or any other experience to get closer to God, it's, it's, it's completely redundant. Hebrews says the former regulations have been set aside. They cannot do what Jesus has already done, an everlasting priest with an everlasting sacrifice, direct and complete access to God. Now you can see why it says in verse 19 that a better hope has been introduced. You see, it's a better hope. It's a better hope in a few ways. With Jesus, now we have confidence with God. With Jesus, we now have an intimacy with God. With Jesus, we have an acceptance by God. With Jesus, we have security with God. We have a more certain hope, a more confident hope, a more definite hope because of Jesus. You see, your future is secure because you can be absolutely certain that you're accepted by God through Jesus, your everlasting priest, your everlasting sacrifice, as Hebrews says. Uh, there was once a pastor in the Philippines who he, he kind of carried this burden of a sin he committed many years ago. He just couldn't shake it. Uh, he repented of it and he'd asked God for forgiveness, uh, but he just didn't feel forgiven. Uh, I wondered, do you have stuff like that in your life, stuff that you've done and you've asked God to forgive you for it, but you just, you just don't feel it. Uh, it still burdens you. Uh, well, the pastors, and in, the, in this pastor's church, there was a woman who claimed to have visions uh, and in the vision, she, she, she claimed that she spoke with Jesus. And so the pastor, he, uh, he wasn't too sure about it. And so one day the pastor decided to put this woman in his church to the test. Uh, he said to her one day after church, uh, look, the next time that you and Jesus are talking, why don't you ask Jesus what sin it was that your pastor committed when he was at Bible college? Uh, the woman agreed to the test and she accepted the challenge. Uh, and so... Uh, the next week after church, the pastor uh, went up to the woman and he asked her, uh, well, have you been chatting with Jesus lately? Uh, yes, I have, said the woman. And did you ask him what sin I committed at Bible college? Oh, well, yes, I did. Well, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I don't remember. Now, obviously, that's a lovely story, and I don't want to get into the, the details as to whether she really did talk with Jesus or not. Uh, but what I really love about that story is that it captures something of what Jesus has done for us. You see, as an everlasting priest offering an everlasting sacrifice, that means at this very moment, if you are a follower of Jesus, at this very moment, God looks on you as perfect. And if you were to ask him about stuff you've done, things in your life that you regret, sins that you still feel guilty about, he would say, sin? What sin? I don't recall any sin. It's all been dealt with once and for all. I paid for it all on the cross. Now, can you bring all of this back to the idea of hope? Can you see that now that the great expectations from last week, last week, a new heavens and a new earth, can you see that now, as great as those expectations were, as people living in the light of Jesus, we can have even greater expectations. And we can take it a step further. We can have perfect expectations. Uh, did you notice that in the reading in verse 11? Uh, verse 11, it says, If perfection could have been obtained. Uh, or verse 19, For the law, nothing was made perfect. What was old has been made perfect. 
Because though the Old Testament expectations were great, we can have perfect expectations because we have a perfect priest who has offered a perfect sacrifice to make you perfect. And he has reserved a place in his new creation for you as well, and that will be perfect as well. Uh, Before our kids came along, Adele and I took uh, a holiday by the beach. Uh, The problem was that the whole time we were there, the weather was atrocious. It was uh, rain and wind and cold. It's hard to believe, I know. Um, But what we did, we started looking for some things to do. And so we talked to the receptionist at the hotel and she said, guys, I've got the perfect thing for you. You're going to love it. Uh, The perfect way to pass a rainy afternoon. And she recommended that we go uh, back into town and we go to the lolly factory. Uh, and the lolly factory did tours and they gave out samples and she's painting this wonderful picture. And so I'm thinking, Charlie in the chocolate factory, I'm thinking rivers of chocolate, lollies we haven't seen before. I'm thinking Oompa Loompas, right? Uh, but as we pull into the car park, we saw the sign and our dreams were shattered. Uh, this was no lolly factory. It was a carob factory. And I was devastated, not quite at the point of tears, but close. Uh, the memory and the uh, and the taste of the time my mom, my grandma gave me a carob Easter egg instead of chocolate, uh, the memory that just came flooding back, the kind of filthy taste of dirt in the mouth when my taste buds were expecting something sweet, so much anticipation and then so much disappointment. Uh, now the Bible assures us that when the new creation arrives, in all its greatness, when the that when there is a new heaven and a new earth with no more suffering, no more crying, no more mourning, and the Bible tells us over and over again. Uh, we're not going to be disappointed. And the only way uh, we will be disappointed when it arrives is if when it arrives, we find we're not able to get in. You see, that would be disappointing. That would be more than disappointing. That would be a tragedy to be looking forward to the new creation, to be waiting for it to arrive. But when it comes, it's not for you. You miss out because your connection with God is not what it should be. Uh, But the New Testament wants you to know that that is just not going to happen if you're a follower of Jesus. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, if you put your trust in Jesus, your place in the new heavens and the new earth, it is booked. It is paid for. It's got reserve signs stuck all over it. Because Jesus is an everlasting priest. And he has made an everlasting sacrifice. Uh, John Wesley White, he was a good friend of Billy Graham. They toured together doing evangelistic rallies. And this is what White said. The world hopes for the best, but Jesus Christ offers the best hope. The world hopes the best, but Jesus Christ offers the best hope. And that's what's happening in our world now, isn't it? Uh, We live in a world that is hoping for the best, hoping in science, hoping in lockdowns, hoping in a vaccine, hoping in our government leaders, hoping for the best. But Jesus offers the best hope. He was the perfect priest who made the perfect sacrifice, who has perfectly reserved a place for you in a perfect world that is to come. And so... Certain And so certain is this hope that Hebrews chapter 6 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Perfect priest, perfect sacrifice, perfectly bringing to God in his perfect new creation. That is the hope that is an anchor for your soul. And that is what we're going to sing about. Amen.